It is Final Four week, and the maven of basketball is here to talk to me. Oh, that's right, Michelle Smith. Like it or not, the maven of basketball is here to talk to me and you about it all. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. Incredibly, we are in your ears five days a week, Monday through Friday, on all things past, present, future, about the women's game. Saturday, too, WNBA draft is fast approaching with each passing day. You're going to hear more people declare, and we will get you ready for it. Not just me, the entire team. Over at the next, the next hoops.com, where we have, I mean, it's over 100 every month. I haven't even counted up, but we're in a top 200 when it's all said and done here in March. Reported original pieces. We had three people in Greenville, we had three people in Seattle, we have eight people going to the final four in Dallas to tell the stories every corner of the women's basketball world. So make sure you subscribe, $9 a month, $72 a year to get those stories right in your inbox, thenexthoops.com. And one of the people who was out in Seattle, who, you know, again, you shake your head all you want. Like, it's still so amazing to me that we get to work together too, my friend, Michelle Smith, who is a legend, who I always listen to. And, and, she can confirm this privately, right? I always say, yes. like, you tell me and I'll do what you say, right? <laughs> well, at least someone at least someone in my life does that. This is the hardest working team in the business. And this is the hardest working podcast in the business, really. I mean, it's just the opportunity considering 28, 29 years ago, I think when I started covering women's basketball, and, you know, what the coverage looked like and what it looks like now, night and day, and to have this space every day to talk about women's hoops, it's remarkable. It's great. My, my whole heart that you're part of it. So in segment one, we're going to be talking big picture general stuff about the things that have happened so far. Segment two, we're going to get into some of the specifics of what is ahead of us in Dallas, not just barbecue, but also mm-hmm. some amazing college basketball coming up here. And I guess the place I want to start is just like, what are your like general impressions here as we move into the final four? We've seen two full rounds. You know, it's it's parody come to pass. You know, parody in South Carolina. We're running on parallel paths here, right? <clears throat> Sorry, a little early morning here in California. We're running on parallel paths here. We have a dominant program that has become a brand name in women's basketball. And there are, you know, a handful of brand names in women's basketball and Don Staley has elevated South Carolina to that brand name status. So we're running on this parallel path where we have one of the game's brand names, which is, you know, South Carolina is undefeated. They really haven't been pushed terribly hard in this tournament, which shows the level that they're playing at in a tournament that's had so many teams pushed in so many ways. And then you've got this sort of 
crop of new kids. And Iowa, you know, I mean, I consider Iowa a new kid considering the amount of time it's been since they've been to the Final Four. And Virginia Tech and LSU, you know, hasn't been since 08. And like, it's just, it's really, really interesting. And it's interesting how everybody got there. And, you know, I feel like a little bit, you know, Iowa's got Caitlin Clark, which has really elevated Iowa's profile as a team that people have paid attention to because they've been paying attention to Clark. And you've got Mulkey at LSU, Kim Mulkey coaching at LSU. And in two years time, she's got that program to the final four. Angel Reese also elevates their profile, but, you know, largely we were paying attention again to LSU because of Mulkey and Angel Reese came as a result of that. Um, You know, and then you've got Virginia Tech and I'll be honest, I didn't have a beat on them at all. I'm on the West Coast and, you know, for the same reasons that sometimes West Coast teams don't get, you know, people don't know them as well on the East Coast. I think the same can be true. And I didn't know Virginia Tech as well. And I'll be honest, even as a one seed, I felt like they were vulnerable because they were new and you wanted to see how they were going to handle this spotlight because these games are really, really difficult. And the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight games, and I'm really impressed. I'm impressed with Kenny Brooks. I'm impressed with Liz Kitley. Georgia Amor is great. And she's the smallest player out on the floor. And she's, you know, outplaying so many people. And so I think it's such an interesting combination. There's a little part of me that's a little sad that the way the brackets lay out that it's Iowa and South Carolina in the semis. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's going to put so many eyeballs on the game on Friday night. And it's going to be so great for the game again. Again. I I, I mean – I agree with you. I also, you know, kind of my bigger picture take on this is that um, people who should know better are saying things like Caitlin Clark is going to come save the game of women's basketball. And I just don't understand. It's just such a narrow way of thinking about it. Number one, thinking that we are in this narrow space where there can only be one instead of understanding that there are numerous stars. Mm -hmm. I am delighted that we are seeing that stardom in two different ways with Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston featured and on display. I agree with you that that may end up being the marquee matchup of the weekend, but I do also love the fact that we're going to see one of Angel Reese or George. I, I, I mean, Liz Kitley, I just get more of the attention. To me, Georgia Amor at this point is the number one option on Virginia Tech and that they're going to get a star turn in the championship game as well. But it's just sort of part of this bigger thing, which is that the women's game is the world is opening up. It is getting dramatically larger. The coverage is getting dramatically larger. And we don't play this game with the men. We don't sit there and say nobody was like either Larry Bird or Magic Johnson gets to be the face of the NBA, and that's it. There was room for both. And then, hey, Michael Jordan comes along, and he's significant Mm -hmm. too. And I grew up in Patrick Ewan mattered in New York, and Charles Barkley mattered in Philadelphia. They all matter. And Mm -hmm. we don't need to find anyone in the same way that we don't need somebody to come save this game that keeps growing, this game that has more and and better ratings. Like, you remember, you remember, right? Mm -hmm. Because I remember it. Diana Taurasi didn't play in the WNBA in 2015, and you had a bunch of people like, oh, my God, it's going to ruin the WNBA. Mm-hmm. One person, and it's a big person. Taurasi a very big deal. It, it turned out okay. It turned out Elena Deladon was amazing. It was mm-hmm. a time for the ages, and Minnesota and L.A. had one of the classic WNBA finals. It turned out okay. 
Yeah, there's no, this game isn't about one player. Never, it, it, you know, and it certainly isn't about one player now. Um, you know, what Caitlin Clark does, like it brings attention. It gets people's attention who might not be paying attention. That's never a bad thing to bring more eyes in and say, oh, I've got to go, well, I've got to see this player because I hear she's amazing. There's nothing to save the game from. The game is, you know, <laughs> there's no there's no saving the game from anything. Caitlin Clark is an extraordinary player. She, but, you know, but we've seen extraordinary players come through tournaments. You know, I remember, you know, I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine and say, you know, Shamika Holesclaw was the second coming of basketball. And when she was in college at Tennessee, Candace Parker was the second coming about. We've done this so many times. We have labeled this one player. I mean, even not in, even in the not so distant past, Sabrina. UNESCO, right? Like, I mean, the amount of attention that Sabrina got that year, yeah, and, sure. you know, and throughout her career, or whatever, completely deserved, by the way, because you get these extraordinary players who come right. and they elevate things, start saving okay. anything. They may elevate the amount of attention. They may elevate the game itself in terms of their individual performance. But, you know, I think it's equally, I think it's equally meaningful for Iowa that that starting lineup has been together for what 90 games? 90 games. I, in the era of the transfer portal, in the era where people are swapping out leading scores and players who are coming in, you know, I mean, look at Utah. Lisa Peely was a transfer in her first year. She was Pac 12 player of the year, mm -hmm. you know, and completely changed the trajectory of the program. In the area of the transfer portal, you've had a starting lineup together for 90 games. You know, that helps Caitlin Clark do what she does. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, like who wouldn't want to play in that Lisa Bluter system? You know, like mm -hmm. that is just right. such a fun and, and you know, okay, play enough defense, but we're going to focus on uh, concentrating on getting the great shot early in the shot clock over and over again. So you get it, but it's been fascinating to see. And their defensive improvement has been overlooked. That is a team that two years ago was 331st in the country in defensive points per possession. And they're solidly in the top 100 now. They're not going to beat you 50 to 45, no. but you won't have to when you've got those weapons as well. So I, I'm very excited to talk a little more, especially about the other matchups as well. First, though, do want to let you guys know about our sponsor. Uh, and this show was brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. And when you do it, by the way, you're going to be able to bet on women's basketball too, not just men's basketball, the way you see at a lot of other sports books. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat-first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So the Friday night, Features obviously this South Carolina team as well, and and actually before we get into the mm, other, yeah, we we ought to talk about it. I have this long-standing theory that essentially anything in the women's game you can trace back about thirty-five to forty years and find an analog in the men's game, and the difference between the two being obviously 
the NCAA tournament began in 1939. The NCAA women's mm-hmm. tournament begins in 1982, Title IX and the like. And we did get mm-hmm. into the many reasons. But the thing that keeps running through my head about this South Carolina team is it reminds me of that Georgetown team of 1982 through 1985, a team anchored by a generational defensive talent, in this case, Aaliyah Boston, mm-hmm. and that is Patrick Ewing, a team that was asserting its dominance on the national stage and following a national championship, uh, which South Carolina had last year and Georgetown had in 84. Georgetown was undefeated going into the NCAA tournament and took it all the way to the final in 1985. And I use that as prologue to say a couple of things. Number one, do you think there is a broader understanding of the way in which Dawn has changed the culture around women's college basketball in the way I believe John Thompson did? And number two, what are the chances that we see a team go beat South Carolina 66-64 the way Villanova did Georgetown in 85? Hmm. I'm going to take the second question first, and I'm going to actually say in this case, no. Okay. I think I think South Carolina is going to win this title, and I think we're still going to have fun along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've had a great I think we've had a great time along the way. I think that even if South Carolina wins this title and wins it with, you know, up to this point, relative ease, we'll see what happens this weekend. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to remember South Carolina winning, and we're going to remember this bracket and the teams that you know and and the way in which teams have emerged and teams that maybe we thought, you know, we weren't sure about, you know, who proved themselves in this tournament as elite programs. And so I think we're going to remember this. Um, As far as Dawn, I think Dawn has changed. Dawn has changed a lot of things. Dawn has, I think, through her, through her words, through her actions, through her success, made sure that schools are interviewing black women Mm -hmm. for their head coaching positions. She's made sure that happens. She has represented, you know, she's represented the program. She's represented black women coaches. She's represented, she's just represented herself in a way that is opening doors. And that's profound. It really, really is. It's Dawn is doing something really, really profound for the game, <clears throat> for sports in, in general. Um, that representation that she brings, that advocacy that she brings, that passion that she brings for her advocacy and for representation. Um, and the team that she, and the quality of the teams that she's building. And, you know, it's it's really, really I think we're watching something really, really special in real time. I think so, the beautiful part about that, too, is her advocacy has that effect. Her advocacy has the effect of making other people feel comfortable also being advocates for mm-hmm. more women in coaching. And so seeing something that was said quietly is now being said loudly mm-hmm. and And I think that's how you go ahead and have an amplifier effect through the work she's done before you even get into the fact that what she has built at South Carolina. I mean, I I, I keep thinking about it. Uh, You know, I remember being in a room with her after Asia Wilson's career came to a close Mm -hmm. and on saying and, you know, with no doubts about it, she said, look, I'm never going to have a player like Asia Wilson again. And so it is remarkable to me that Asia Wilson, who is someone who they built a literal statue to mm-hmm. on campus, has in just about every way you can measure been equaled by what Aaliyah Boston has done. She's doing mm-hmm. it a little differently. The shape of her game is a little different. She's doing it in her own way. But Aaliyah Boston is the odds-on favorite now to win a second championship, to mm-hmm. in that way 
outdo what Asia Wilson has done. And she's doing that despite the fact that she lost one of her four opportunities thanks to COVID. And right. the, that tournament was canceled where, you know, Telly Graves in Oregon and South Carolina and, and, and Aaliyah Boston were co-favorites essentially right. going into that tournament. Um, and so it is a remarkable legacy. And what that leaves me to is don't still is getting any player she wants. And now we're going to get to see as long as she tears to coach and she insists she won't coach as long as Gino has that she's going to uh-huh. wait for a certain amount. I, I'll believe it when I see it because she seems so fully engaged in it um, that she wants to retire is hard to imagine. But at the same, I don't know. She looked pretty comfortable in those commercials with Coach K. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's on the lounge on the lounge chair talking about retirement. That's right. That's right. right. I, I hope for the game and for selfishly as somebody who covers this game that it's not for a very long time because as long as we have Don Staley in this game, uh, I think uh, it is only going to grow exponentially. And and I guess just to that other point, it's not just at the top of her roster i the thing i keep thinking about is that i covered uconn south carolina earlier this year and essentially the reason uconn lost the reason why south carolina won and is undefeated is that dawn was able to bring raven johnson off the bench who hadn't had much of a role all year and scored Mm -hmm. double figure points for the first time she was you know effectively dawn's 11th person in a rotation but raven johnson was also like the consensus number two player in the country and so that level of depth is just mind-blowing and, well, especially and, now when you don't get when players won't stay for that. I mean, right. right. Especially now when the 11th player on your roster is might be looking to go somewhere else in the portal now because they're not playing enough. They're not getting enough minutes. They're not, you know, they're not they're just not getting enough from that experience in theory in a lot of places. I mean, you know, the portal is full of kids who are the 11th kid off the bench. Yeah. And, you know, and so that Don Staley keeps those players that she can build that you know and it's just kind of the same way when you talk about what i was doing like there are going to be programs you mm-hmm. know i think we can make the argument that i think stanford's not going to play in the portal a lot and that has largely to do with academic standards and tara's yeah. options in the portal and her ability to get kids into school um but there are going to be some programs that aren't going to play in the portal and there are going to be some programs now that are going to be portal programs mm-hmm. south Carolina's not going to be a portal program you know, Dawn has people Googling Cheney State when she wears a jersey on the sideline. I mean, like, think about, like, you know, those players, you know, to have a chance to play for Dawn Staley, in most cases, you're not going anywhere else. No, no she's built that as an experience. She's built it with mm-hmm. her fans. She's built it with her players. And she's built it with the success on the court. And you even saw it against Maryland last night on, you know, that mm-hmm. Maryland brought a lot to the table last night. And, uh, you know, I think that game changed in the second quarter when the refs decided to call everything very tight. Yeah. And you, you simply, Maryland couldn't compete both as uh, a function of their depth and as mm-hmm. a function of the fact that South Carolina has a front line that can just reach up and take the ball and right. doesn't do anything about it uh, along the way. All of that said, Maryland brought everything to the table that they could there. And South Carolina was really able to keep them at bay largely because they, as Brenda Free said, you know, they come at you in waves and there were just too many waves. And I suspect like you, that there are just too many waves for everyone this right. year. Although if anyone can get them playing an unfamiliar game, it is Iowa, and that is how UConn almost beat them. Right. 
Boston game that went into the upper 70s, lower 80s and was playing very much not South Carolina style of basketball. And then it's going to be up to people like Zaya Cook. And frankly, yes, Raven mm-hmm. Johnson to be able to score from right. the perimeter. Well, and don't get me wrong. I don't think they're unbeatable. I just don't think they'll be beaten. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, no, no, there's a difference. There's a distinction there. On the other hand, Villanova, <laughs> when they beat Georgetown in 85, shot 79% from the field. I, mm-hmm. I'm not. Lifelong Georgetown men's basketball fan. So these numbers are ingrained in my head. And 90% from the field in the second half, all to win by two. That's how great that team was. (laughs) So that's why, listen, I didn't necessarily think Mississippi State was going to beat UConn in 2017 when UConn was a 22-point favorite. But Morgan William made that shot. Mm -hmm. Gabby Williams, 5'11", and can jump through the ceiling. Morgan William, who is... 11 inches tall. Is that, do I remember that right? And she somehow got that shot over Gabby Williams. But Iowa has to stay in the game the entire game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that has to be, there can't, you know, points of separation don't work with South Carolina. You don't see, as soon as South Carolina separates, it's done. It's like an insurance policy. uh It's exactly right. And, and, and so that was the moment Maryland went behind by 10. That was, that was it. You know, I was, I was okay. Well, I, I, you can't make that deficit up on South Carolina. No, because they don't give up runs like that. Defensively, they're not, they don't give up runs like that. When they miss, they get the ball again. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was just, it was amazing. It was just to see the struggle. It's not just a struggle to score. The struggle to just get the ball back is impossible against South Carolina. It's mind blowing. If we've got our stat heads out there, I would love to see a stat this season about how many teams have gone on a double digit run against South Carolina this season. Oh, I'm willing to bet it's zero. I'm willing to bet it's zero. Well, so let's talk about also LSU. Yeah, let's talk about them. And the fact that, you know, everyone's so ready over and over again to say, like, the game has passed Kim Multi by, but it hasn't. Kim Multi keeps getting talent, keeps doing things the Kim Multi way where they're not running, they're not shooting a lot of threes, and they're just bullying you over and over again. She doesn't have the horses that Dawn Staley does to be able to do that, which is why I don't think LSU has challenged South Carolina this year, but certainly been enough to get them back to the final four. And I guess what I wonder is, do you think that Virginia Tech can match them in that way? Or does Virginia Tech have to play a game similar to what they played against Ohio State? Well, first of all, when it comes to Mulkey, I want to say, don't be distracted by the shiny object because Mulkey (laughs) is literally the shiny object, right? Um, you know, I, that's... Can, I just, can I just say something? Yes. It's so mortifying. I was on my way to Columbia, Syracuse. I was halfway to the game on Friday night to go cover the mm-hmm. WNIT. And I see all these pictures come up on social media. And Kim Mulkey's wearing the exact outfit I had planned to wear. I had to turn around and go home and change because, oh, my God, she stole my look. I was so mad. Hashtag twinning. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, LSU, you know, that their the offensive performance that got them into the final four was just dreadful, right? Like it was just even Kim said it was almost unwatchable. If you're watching this game, you probably want to turn the channel. Like it was not pretty. Um, I don't know. I was worried about Virginia Tech against Ohio State in the press because yeah. they didn't handle it spectacularly well in the Sweet 16 game. So I was concerned about that, you know, that. Ohio State was going to, you know, run them into a bunch of turnovers and they weren't going to be able to handle the press. And and they did. I, I like Virginia Tech in this game. I think um, Angel will do what she does, but 
if this is how LSU is going to shoot, if this is, you know, if they're not going to score a lot, I do think that Virginia Tech is a team that can score. George Claymore, since March the 4th against Duke Mm -hmm. in the second round of the ACC tournament, 24 points, 25 points, 22 points, 21 points, 29 points, 24 points. She has just been unstoppable by a wide variety of teams, Mm -hmm. including Duke. Duke would regularly hold teams to 40 uh, points or so uh, as a team. It's kind of mind-blowing. Well, and what does that do for Virginia Tech? It opens up the floor for Liz Kitley, right? If you've got to come out onto the perimeter, if you've got to spread that defense out, you're giving Liz Kitley space to work. And that, you know, that works nicely for Virginia Tech. Yeah, I like Virginia Tech in this game. And maybe it's just because, you know, that, you know, I just was not, you know, Angel Reese aside, that was, they were a mess offensively in that game. And that game was just not pretty. But, you know, I but Reese could also, you know, Reese could also go off and, you know, match Georgia. And, you know, I don't know. It's, I see Virginia Tech in this game, though. I, I, Reese is the real deal and I can't wait to see it. But to your point, listen, I thought Utah was going to beat LSU. And the truth of the matter is Hmm. they were, they were very close to doing so. I got to tell you just legitimately, like I'm still sad thinking about Jenna Johnson and I'm so glad she is only a sophomore. I hope there are people in her ear saying, Hey, this is just a sophomore. You have a lot more of your story to write because I, I just, just my heart aches for her as a yes, agreed, yeah. agreed, so, agreed, agreed. Yeah. So I, I want to thank obviously our listeners for making us your first listen every day. Now, Michelle, I don't know if you know this, um, but I looked into it, and there is a professional men's basketball league as well. Um, it's uh, called the NBA. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I know. We've, I, I think, we've heard of it here in the. We've heard of it here in the Bay Area. We have a team that, you know, it makes a little noise from time to time. Yeah. I have heard, I know there's potentially an expansion team coming in the WNBA. You guys already have a team on the NBA side? We do. We have a nice little team. Okay. Uh, we have well, a, you know, we have a, we have a scrappy little squad. The Warriors. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They the even Warriors. have like a Caitlin Clark-like player, I've heard. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They well, so if you want to learn about that Caitlin Clark-like player, make your second listen, game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game-to-game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. And yeah, they'll be playing games, I think, during that brief period between the end of the college basketball season for women's basketball and the start of the WNBA. So a good yeah, way to... should be good. should be good. good We're tuning to- in, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Michelle Smith, I'm so excited to see you. I can't wait to see you in Dallas. Thank you mm-hmm. on behalf of our listeners. We will be back with you tomorrow. Gabriella Lewis will be joining us as well, who has done wonderful work over at The Next. Until then... I am Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a wonderful day. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. (laughs) 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.